Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? Another, I just want to um, put in a little reminder of Wednesday evening as well. Uh, just simply because um, Wednesday is going to be a little bit different than what it's been in the past. Uh, we're going to have our study and so forth. Um, but, um, and it's, uh, um, who says you can't teach a dog old tricks? Because, you know, Wednesday night is going to be a new trick for me. Uh, because I'm, I'm accustomed to just letting it go. But uh, we're using materials. And uh, so the material was from preschool all the way through the adults. And we're, we're using the same material, so we're going to be on the same lessons. And so the desire is that when with your children here on Wednesday night, you're going to be hearing on Wednesday night as adults in the adult class, and you're going to be able to talk about that. And so hopefully it isn't just um, forgotten after you walk out of here. Um, you'll have notes. Your children will probably have something in their hands. Discuss those things. Because I believe it's very important for, we, for us to get those, those foundations reestablished in our life. You know, <clears throat> I believe one of the, the, the issues that we're dealing in the culture that we're in today is that we have a culture that has strayed so far away from the truths and the principles of God's word. That when we begin to share the word with somebody, um, they may hear it, but it doesn't really mean anything to them. It doesn't get in them because they don't have the foundation. They don't have the foundation of that truth to begin to build upon. And I don't know about you, <clears throat> if you remember what Sarah shared last week, she said that, that Italy is, I think it was 94% was Catholic, but only 3% of the population of Italy went to church two times a year, period. Most, went, most go less than that, but only 2% went at least two times a year, or 3%. But you know, Europe as a whole, and this includes and because I'm talking about the West, this not only includes Europe, but it also includes Australia. And I think it even carries over into, into Canada. Less than four or five percent of the people of those countries go to church. Think about that. Less than four or five percent. And we're talking about the countries that, that have been considered to be Christendom. We're talking about the countries that were the roots of the Reformation and, 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 and so much more. And why is that? It's because we've lost sight of those roots. And so <clears throat> maybe nobody else is going to continue on in the things of God. But we are. If we be the only ones, so be it. You know, I, I don't believe that that's how it is. But you know what? It's got to begin with us. And we've got to make that commitment that we're going to establish those truths and those principles upon our in our children. I was reading something the other day and they were talking about the United States entering into the post-Christian era. And he says, you know, really, that's an inaccurate statement. He says we're almost to the point where we're in the pre-Christian era. And I don't want that to be the case with us. Amen. And so we're going to go through uh, this material and I hope that um, you make an effort to come and be blessed and grow in the Word of God and uh, we're just going to be victorious. Amen. When everybody else walks in fear and trepidation, we're going to hold our heads high, we're going to live in peace and joy, and we're going to know what we know what we know and what we know is the truth yes. because God is truth. There is no lie in him. So I want to talk to you with this morning about feelings of inadequacy. Anybody ever have to, <laughs> I'll raise my hand for everybody, <clears throat> deal with that. But we're talking, we're going to talk about being uh, redeemed. To be redeemed means to be repurchased or to buy back or to win back. 
Jesus redeemed us. He bought us back. He took us out of the hands of the enemy. And we need to recognize and walk in what Jesus has done for us. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Satan, the evil one, stole what God had given them. But you know what Jesus did? He won it back for us. Where man walked in defeat, we don't have to walk in defeat any longer because of what, what Jesus has done for us. As a result of the curse of the law of Moses, when it came upon men and the earth, uh, that curse was operating in the lives of man. But you know what? Jesus bought us back from that. He purchased from that so that that curse no longer has any right. It no longer has any authority over you and I because of what Jesus has done for us. But you know what the problem is oftentimes? We don't know what Jesus has done for us. And because we don't know it, we, we continue to walk in the defeat that the enemy brought in in the lives of humanity. But we don't have to live there any longer. We can live the life of victory because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus was that sacrifice. And like I said this morning, I was reading and, and, and it was talking about the animal sacrifices and how they were reminded year after year after year of their sin. And so they had a, this consciousness of sin. And you know, for many of us that grew up in religion, we grew up going to church. And it wasn't their fault, they taught us what they knew. But they, they taught a message of condemnation, a message of guilt. And so oftentimes we didn't walk in victory because we were so burdened down with the, with the burden of sin. Because that's what we were constantly reminded of. But Jesus has come to give us victory. Jesus has come to set us free. And so let's look at a few scriptures. In Ephesians, the first chapter in the seventh verse, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified, and it says, in him, and of course, the in him is talking about Jesus. You know, Brother Hagin, years back, he came out with this, this little mini book. And the mini book, book was white and blue and white. And so uh, if, you, if you see a mini book by Brother Hagin that's blue and white, this is probably what it is. Well, the title of it was In Him. And in the book, he talked about how there were 300 and some different places in the New Testament, times that Jesus mentioned in Him, in Christ. And it's talking about what belongs to us through Christ Jesus. And here's one of these examples. And it says, In Him... We have redemption, deliverance, and salvation through his blood. You have, you have redemption through his blood. i got to be careful here because I'm getting too excited. But you know what? When you have a revelation of the fact that you're redeemed through the blood of Jesus, that's something to get excited about. And so we are uh, redeemed, delivered, and uh, deliverance and salvation through his blood. The remission, forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings and trespasses in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor. If I say, I have gracious favor. You have gracious favor because you're in Jesus. Colossians 1, 12 through 14 giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. Most of our, our lives, we spend trying to be qualified. Where we've already been qualified through Christ Jesus who qualifies us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. Jesus took care of the sin issue in your life. But you see, what's going to lead you? If you're going to focus on the sin, it's going to dominate you and you're going to have a sin consciousness. 
But if you focus on Jesus, you're going to focus on the redemption that is truly yours from Christ Jesus. And you're going to recognize that you've been set free. And you walk away. You walk away from that sin. Hebrews 9, 12, one of the passages that I was reading this morning in the chapters. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place. Once for all. Once for all. Once for all. That means once for all time. They ain't going to do it again. Why? Because that one time was enough for you and I to be redeemed. Once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. You know, we don't have short-term redemption. Amen? We don't have short-term redemption. We have eternal redemption. That means what Jesus did for us is for now, but it's for all of eternity. The enemy has no hold on us. We're redeemed through the blood. Sin is dealt with. We've been purchased back from what the enemy tried to grasp, bring in our life. Ephesians 3.13 and 14, two of my favorite verses in the Bible, but I'm going to read them out of the Amplified. And it says, Christ purchased our freedom. Man, man alive, if you're not getting excited this morning, we just need to pray and get you born again. Amen. Amen. Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, the doom of the law, and its con condemnation. You've been freed from condemnation by himself, becoming a curse for us. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree is crucified to the end that through their receiving Christ Jesus, the blessing, promise of Abraham might come into the Gentiles. I qualify. Amen. I'm a Gentile. I qualify. So that we, through faith, might all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit. You know what? <clears throat> the problem is, is oftentimes we say that we've received it, but we haven't received the realization of it. We need the realization of it. You know, like I was sharing with the guys a couple of weeks ago up at Fort Dodge, I said, you know, when I, when I minister to you, I'm not ministering theory to you. And I'm not ministering theory to you either. I'm ministering to you what's alive to me. And the reason that I feel so passionate about it, that, that if you get a hold of the Word of God and you'll dedicate yourself to the Word of God, it'll change your life. And the reason that I'm so passionate about that and I'm so convinced of that is that it worked in my life. The Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. That means if it worked in my life, it'll work in your life. But you see, it doesn't happen through osmosis. We've got to take that word. We've got to receive that word. We've got to give that word its proper place in our life. And when we do, it'll make the changes. That's what Jesus wants to do in and through each and every one of us. A realization I've seen this in the lives of individuals that <clears throat> there's, there's ministers that I knew that were really good preachers, really good preachers. But they had what I consider to be in a, a, a photographic memory. They could read a book and they could preach it. And it would sound good, but it was lacking something. Is lacking revelation. Because it wasn't real to them. They were just simply preaching theory to you. Or to us. To me. I'll tell you something. I'm not preaching any theory to you this morning. Well, you know, just like evolution, Christianity is a theory. No, it's not. It's the real deal. It's a real thing. There is no theory about it. It's truth. And you shall know the truth. And the truth is such a free. I've got to calm down. People, when I get going this way, they think I'm mad. I'm not mad. I'm just, I'm passionate. 
I mean, if I was mad, I'd throw my Bible at you or something and say, shape up. But I'm not mad, so I'm not going to do that. But I tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to emphasize the importance of getting a hold of this truth because it'll change our lives. Yeah. Moving down a little bit to Galatians, the third chapter, the 23rd verse, and it says, But before faith came, we were kept under their guardian by the law. Kept for the faith. Man, that's so exciting. I just don't know if I can go on. I mean, I might have to get a chair up here to sit down or something. Did, did you, did you, did, did you hear that? Just in case you didn't. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Why did they have the law? Because they didn't have faith. What did the law do? The law told you what to do. You don't have to have any faith in it. You just had to obey it. That's what the law, you, you obey the law whether you believe it or not. That's the law. Kept. But the law kept them for the faith which would afterward be revealed. And it was revealed in Jesus. Therefore, the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. You weren't justified by the law. The law was to keep you. Everybody say it kept me. The law was there to keep you until faith came. And where did faith come? It came through Jesus. To bring us to Jesus, to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, there's, there, we're no longer under the tutor. For you are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, this is talking about not water baptism, this is talking about the moment that you're born again when you're immersed in Christ. You are baptized in Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So because we're, we're baptized in Christ, we've put on Christ. Kenneth Copeland said many years ago, and he just about got crucified for it, he said, we ought to all be like little Jesuses running around. They wanted to crucify him because, oh, he, he thinks we're all Jesus. No, you're clothed in Christ. And so when you're clothed in something, somebody sees you. You know, somebody said to me this morning, because I haven't worked for a while, oh, you got a new suit. And I said, no, I don't have a new suit. It's got pleats. It's got cuffs. You know, <clears throat> so it's not new. I mean, we're, we're talking... Uh, we're talking really close to the 90s. You know, so it's not a new suit. It's an old suit, but it gives you a, an impression because you haven't seen me wear it before. People need to see you wearing Christ. Our life ought to demonstrate Christ with what we do, what we say, how we appear. We're to be Christ-like in our appearance. Why? Because we've put him on. We've put on that cloak, that cloak of righteousness. We are created in his image. We've been purchased back through the blood of Jesus. Adam and Eve sinned, and God has purchased us back from that. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You know what happens when you take a verse like that and you try to interpret it through, your, through, through the, the Greek carnal mind? Is we come up with all kinds of things. There's no longer male nor female. Well, I don't know. How do I say this appropriately? 
There is male and there is female. And it isn't just because you think a certain way. There are certain uh, things that reveal whether you're male or female. It's not according to feeling. The world operates by feeling. We operate by faith. And operating by faith does not deny reality. Goes beyond reality. And so, neither male nor female. You know, it's an interesting thing. As a result of the fall, we see this, this dominance that, that attempts to take over. You, you, you go to different cultures and you see where a woman is merely an object to be owned and controlled and dominated. Why is that? People look at it and they say, why is that? Well, it's because men are just mean. No, it's because of the fall. Why do we have racial issues? Because of the fall. Well, people just have this attitude and certain people act this way. That way. It's a fall. You know, and so we, we, try to, we try to correct things in the natural that are uncorrectable in the natural. It can only be corrected through the spiritual. And the way that it's corrected is by bringing it back to where God intended. And you see, that's what redemption does. It brings us back to where, where, where God intended for man to be all along. But because of the fall, we have this fallout. We see the horrible things that we see taking place in the earth today. And oftentimes, the man tries to blame it on God. But God has nothing to do with it. It's, it's the result of the fall. It's the result of man saying, I'm going to do my own deal. It's a result of man choosing a new God rather than the God of Genesis. Man chooses the God of humanism. And we look at humanism and we think it's a new deal. No, it's not. It's, it's almost as old as the earth itself. Humanism began when Satan spoke into the ear of Eve and said, Did God really say? And what happened is humans gave it their own interpretation and determined that they knew better than God. You know, in this world that we live in, there's really only two religions. People talk about the four great religions and so on and so forth. And, you know, you, you go, <clears throat> there's two religions. Well, really, religion isn't the right term. There's two beliefs. There's two gods. One's capital G, one's little g. There's Christianity, and everything else is lumped together. It's anti-Christ. We're pro-Christ. Amen. But everything else is anti-Christ. It comes against Christ. It, it doesn't stand for what Christ stood for. Deuteronomy 28, 6 says, Blessed you shall be when you come in. Blessed you shall be when you go out. You know, it's in Deuteronomy. It's in Deuteronomy 28, 6, where it's still talking about the, the blessings of Abraham. But we see even under this, of course, they had to do this out of obedience. This, been, this has been, through Christ's redemption, imparted into our life. You're to, you're, to be, you're to be blessed every place you go. In your goings out, your comings in, and everything that you do. Psalms 121.8, it says, And the Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Think about that. He wants blessing in your life going in and out from this time forth forever. 
In other words, it's not supposed to ever go away. It's to be a continuous thing in our life. You and I, we were created in the image and the likeness of God. And that's why we can follow after him. That's why we can fulfill his plan, his purpose. Because ultimately, we're to be like him. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we are God. Although the scripture says that we were to be the small g God of this world. We were to represent him in this world. There is only one God, our God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. That's God. But we're created in his image. And so we're to operate in the same manner that God operated. God operated by faith. He spoke the worlds into existence. It did not take millions and billions of years. He spoke the word and it was. Amen. You know, it used to be if I would have said that, I would have got a room full of amens. But we don't get that room full of amens anymore. Why is that? Because our minds have been filled with a bunch of gunk. We've been, we've been influenced and we've been convinced to doubt what God's word says. Well, you know, <clears throat> evolution is taught as a, as a fact. Evolution is a theory that is impossible to prove. Absolutely impossible to prove. Why? Because it would take millions of years and it can't be proven. But you know what? In the book of Genesis, we can prove that God's word is truth. And the truth of the matter is science, if the scientist will be honest about it and if he's not totally warped in his thinking, will, will prove the truth of the gospel. It happens over and over again. We just don't get to hear it because it's not going to be on CNN or Fox or any, any news outlet. But our God is God. It's important for us to understand that. And we're created in His image and that's why we operate by faith. It's never His will for us to have to operate on human knowledge and behavior and so forth is to be by faith. Colossians 3, verse 10, it says, and, and have put on a new man. We have put on a new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created us. And so what does that mean? That means as a born-again believer, the more that we walk with Jesus, the more we become like him. Dr. Colin maximized manhood. He said Christ-likeness and manhood are synonymous with one another. Why? Because if we're in Christ as men, we begin to act like Jesus. We begin to behave like Jesus. Those things that are important to Jesus become important to us. But you know what? That's not for male. That's for man, manhood. It's true for man and woman, male and female. We have been created in the image of God in his likeness to fulfill his plan and his purpose here on earth. You know, one of the most successful churches that it was ever manifest in modern day was Dr. Cho in South Korea. And one of the things that was asked of Dr. Cho years and years back, I don't know what's happening over there anymore. I haven't read any of his books or anything for, for several years now. But they were talking, they were interviewing Dr. Cho. And they asked him one time, what, is, what makes your church so successful? Because his church was over 500,000 people when that wasn't even popular yet. And they said, what is it that makes your church so su successful? That you're able to do what you're able to do. And he says, it's because I'm not afraid of women. He says, I'm not afraid of women stepping into a role. Because he sought in the scriptures how it says neither male nor female. He, he's not talking about gender. He's talking about our position in Christ Jesus. 
And so he had a cell group church and many of his cell groups were led by women. How can this be? How can this be? Through redemption. That's how this can be. And that's how Christ wants to work in our lives. In Genesis, the first chapter, the 26th verse says, And God said, Let us make man in our image. Here where it's talking about man, it's not talking about a male. It's talking about humanity. He says, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them, whom? The man. Adam and Eve. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Listen to this. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, to them. If I say to them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Also to every beast of the, of the earth and to every bird of the air and to every creeping thing on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. And it was so. God reveals himself. Says let us. Reveals the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He shows how there was to be this, this agreement, this working together of man and woman. But what did the, what did the fall do? It divided it. It brought destruction. Every division that we see in the earth today is a direct result of the fall of man. And you know what? No law that we ever pass is going to change that. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. When I got born again, there were, there were things that just happened in my life. I look back on it, and, and oftentimes I was so confused, I, 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 I didn't understand it. You know, probably a year ago now, maybe even more than that, <clears throat> I taught a series of messages that I got from um, uh, this, this little book, and it was, the little book was called, what's the name of the little book? Um, Re Reset the Gospel, Restart the Gospel, something like that. And what the, what, the, what the point of the book is, is that when, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved, they had a, they had a Jewish culture. And so they were, they were raised, whether they were technically believers or not, but they were raised to believe that there was, was one God, and that was the God of creation, that there was one God, that, that all the accounts that we have in the book of Genesis, that they were true. That they were not just simply nice little stories that were created so that we could, we could bring about a point. See, <clears throat> call me naive, call me stupid, call me whatever you want, but don't forget to call me saved. Because see, I know something. I believe in Jonah and the fish. I believe in the flood. I believe that God created the world in seven days. I believe all that in a week. I believe it. And so you can call me whatever you want, but see, I have peace in my life. I have contentment in my life. I have fulfillment in my life. Why? Because I'm not struggling with what everybody else is struggling with. Well, you're just naive. Well, it's, it's pretty blessed. Don't, if, if, if I'm naive, don't pray for me to be free because it ain't going to work. And so they had, this, they had this Jewish belief system where they believed 
the Torah said. They believed in creation. They believed those things. But then you go to Acts 17, and Paul is preaching. And he, and he, he preach on, preaches on the mount, and, and all of a sudden he doesn't get the same results. But the difference is, is they have a, they have a Greek culture. And in the Greek culture, they have many gods. You know, when Paul, remember when he began to preach to them, he preached about the unknown God, who is the God of creation. But they had, they had thousands of gods. They, they believed. That's where evolution really began. It didn't begin with whatever that wacko scientist was. I don't remember his name now. You know, but it didn't start then. It started way back then. They believed in creation. They believed that Zeus had fallen from the skies. That's what they believed, all this wacko stuff that we believe today. But it was, was based on a Greek culture. And that's where we are today. I, I, I look at it and I think, why was it so easy for me when I got born again to get a hold of so many of these truths? It was because of the Jewish if you will, foundation that was laid in my life. I was raised to believe in creation. I was raised to believe in the flood. I was raised to believe in Jonah and the fish. I believe it to this day. And so when the Bible says tithe, I tithed. When the Bible says by the stripes of Jesus you've been healed, by the stripes of Jesus I've been healed because God didn't lie in Genesis. So why would he lie in Acts? Or whatever verse. And so what happens is we allow that Greek thinking to come in and it steals from us the foundation that will really produce life. An abundant life. You know, I always joke around that when I got saved I committed the two unpardonable sins. I left the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, and I became a Republican. <laughs> and I look at that and I think, why did that happen? Because I don't know if you've noticed, it's hard to convince people of certain things. But you know what? When it's a revelation, there's no problem. The revelation came and I could see that killing babies was wrong. So how could I support that? I could see in the Bible where same-sex marriage and so forth was wrong. And I'm not getting on a political thing here. This is a biblical thing. Mine wasn't based on politics. It was based on biblical principle that was given to us in the Word of God. And the moment that we begin to compromise in one area, we begin to compromise in other areas. If we compromise concerning Jonah and the fish, we begin to compromise in all these other areas as well. And I don't know about you, I refuse to compromise. Well, you're just narrow-minded. You better believe it. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. I want life. I don't want destruction. So that means my, my, my viewpoint has, you know, and you know what? It's easier. Oh, poor Pastor Dave. Now let me tell you something. It's easier. I love absolutes. Absolutes are absolutely easy. Because if I have absolutes in my life, I don't have to make a decision about it. Now that doesn't mean I have to be mean about it. You know, the problem is, some people have an absolute, but they're mean about it. They don't have to be mean about it. You just have to have the conviction of it in your life. Because if you want to change somebody, it's not going to be by being mean about it. It's going to be by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so we're, we're trying to talk people into things that they're not going to be talked into. Hallelujah. Romans 3.23, it's part of the Roman road. All have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know what that means? That means there isn't a single one of us that has a right to look down our pointy little nose at anybody. Amen. None of us. Because we've all sinned. Now the difference is my sins are forgiven. 
But you know what? It's not because of me. It's because of Jesus. And so I don't... You can take the worst heathen in the world. And we don't look down at them because, but for the blood of Christ, we would be in the same position. And so it isn't going to be our rotten attitude that's going to get them saved. It's going to be the love of God flowing through us. It's going to make a difference in their, eye, in their life. And so getting back to Adam and Eve again, do you realize, you know, we, we like to <clears throat> kind of push it off on the woman. You know, the woman thou hast given me. <laughs> if it wasn't for her, you know, we wouldn't have any issues here. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. They both noticed they were naked. They both sewed fig leaves together to cover up their nakedness why? Because they were both guilty. The shame will always reveal the guilt. And so they, they, tried to, they tried to cover it up. Why? Because of their guilt. But you know what? Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Boy, I'm really bummed. Just looked at that stupid clock. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you know, we're talking about feelings of inadequacy. Look this up for yourself this afternoon. Exodus 10, or excuse me, Exodus 4, 10 through 15. Talks about Moses. You know what? Moses tried to make excuses why he couldn't lead the children of Israel. I have a stammering tongue. He couldn't talk very good. That was his excuse. You know what? Didn't work. God sent Aaron to stand alongside him and to be with him. And uh, we have this story of Zacchaeus, his tax collector, and his of small stature, and how he felt so insignificant and inadequate and so forth. And God's walking by and he sees him and he says, Come on down here. We're going to eat at your house today. You know, sometimes we feel so inadequate for what God's called us to do. But let me tell you something. He wants to come to your house. He wants to have a meal with you. He wants to fellowship with you. And once you've had a true meal with Jesus, once you've felt you had fellowship with him, the adequacy, inadequacies begin to fade away. Because you begin to realize, you know what, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have Jeremiah the prophet and you know when God called him he said you know what I'm I can't do it. Uh, I I'm too young. Too young. Let me tell you something don't don't ever none, none of the excuses work because of what what Jesus has truly done for us and so we might as well go ahead and and set aside all of those inadequacies and realize that Jesus <coughs> has already done it all and we have our victory in and through him. Let me read from Acts 17 verse 24 and it says God who made the earth or, or the world and everything in it since he is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation. Did you see that? From one blood. We all are descendants of Adam. Every one of them. Well, you know, Pastor Dave... What about how all people from different nations look so different? Evolution, I guess. <laughs> Why? I don't know. All I know is what the Word of God says. And because I see it in the Word of God, I have a choice at that point. I can either choose to believe it 
or I can choose to doubt it. And the moment that I choose to doubt it, it opens the door for doubt to come into my life in every area of my life. It opens the door because I, I doubt one thing concerning the promises of God and commands of God in His Word. It opens the door that when the attack of the enemy comes against my life, some sickness tries to attach itself to me. The doubt will enter in. Why? Because I've already opened the door for it. Refuse to open the door. Well, pastor, it just doesn't make any sense. We don't live by sense. We live by faith. We may have all kinds of questions when we get to heaven for God. But it better not be questions that are going to open the door for doubt. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. I'm going to read this because I've never read this translation before. Being in Christ changes everything for us. Changes everything. If it doesn't, it's because we haven't believed. But in Philemon 1, we're going to start in verse 8, and it's, it's from easy-to-read version. I've never read the easy-to-read version before, but here it goes. There is something that you should do. And because of the authority I have in Christ, I feel free to command you to do it. This is Paul. But I am not commanding you. I am asking you to do it out of love. I, Paul, am an old man now. And am a prisoner for Christ Jesus. I am asking you on behalf of Onesimus. He became my son while I was in prison. In the place he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both me and you. I'm sending him back to you, but it's as hard as <clears throat> losing part of myself. I would like to keep him here to help me while I'm still prison in prison for telling the good news. By helping me here, he would be um, representing you. And so here he's talking about this individual that was a slave. And he's sending him back to his master. Think about that. He's sending him back to his master and he had come to Paul simply to serve him, to minister to him while he was in prison. And Paul says he's no longer a, a slave. He's, he, he's a brother to me. This is, this is what Christendom does. We don't find brotherly love in passing laws or, or trying real hard. We find brotherly love by receiving Christ Jesus in our lives and allowing Him to work through us. Verse 14. But I did not want to do anything without asking you first. Then whatever you do for me will be what you want to do, not what I forced you to do. One of us was separated from you for a short time. Maybe that happened so that you could have him back forever. Not to be just a slave, but better than a slave. To be a dear brother. That's what he is to me. And I know he will mean even more to you, both as your slave and as one who shares your faith in the Lord. If you accept me as your friend, then accept one of us back. Welcome him like, me, like you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong to you or owes you anything, Charge that to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own handwriting. I will pay back anything one of us owes. And I will say nothing. <laughs> I just have to read this because I just love this about Paul. And I will say nothing about what you owe me for your own life. I want you to take him back. 
even though you owe me everything, but I'm not going to use that against you. <clears throat> I guess you don't see the humor in that. I, I just, glory to God. So what is it? We're one in Christ Jesus. And so we don't have to feel inadequate towards one another. That's why our position isn't dependent upon our, our sex, our color, our status in life. It's dependent upon Jesus. And when we're in Jesus, all at once, all of those separations, all of those other things, they go by the wayside because we're one in Him. If we feel inferior, oftentimes, we blame it on what we consider to be somebody else's reaction towards us. But you know what it ultimately is? It's what I feel inside. It's how I see myself. How do I see myself in Christ Jesus? I need to, my, I need to see myself accepted in the Beloved. Because I'm in, if I am truly accepted in Jesus, if I believe that, does it really matter what anybody else thinks? We find ourselves in Him. We find our significance in Him. We find our importance in Him. We find our foundation in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. Hallelujah. Well, I'm not done, but i got to quit. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you this morning for Jesus, the author, the perfecter of a faith, that we're no longer limited to trying to do it in our own strength, in our own ability, because it's done. It's completed. We are who we are because of Jesus. And we thank you for that. And so, Father, whatever our station in life is, use us for your purpose and for your glory. Father, it's about you. May your will be done in each of our lives. And I pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So as you go, go in his peace, go in his strength, go in his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug and say, oh, bless you, brother. <laughs>